Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. It's more than just a podcast. It's a source of insights to keep you tapped into all things data-driven so that you can be the most informed technical expert in the virtual room. Listen in weekly to stay educated on the latest trends in backup, recovery, storage, cloud, and security. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have Peter Sisson, CEO and co-founder at Certify It. And as a serial entrepreneur with a master's in AI from Stanford, uh, Peter is working to fight fake news, fake reviews, and fake products. Uh, misinformation and polarization have exploded since Peter began his career in Silicon Valley more than 20 years ago, so it's definitely not showing his age. Um, and also his latest company, Certify It, and offers an app that can help stop some of that fake news and, and fake reviews and fake products. So Peter, welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. How are you? I'm doing great, Demetrius. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm super excited to be here to talk about this. Awesome. Let's let's start with you giving the listeners a quick rundown of Certify It. Sure. So you think of your iPhone now, you can take a video and you can send it via some, you know, iMessage or email or anything. It's just regular process of recording with the camera and sharing that video. The difference is with Certify It is that you record the video with within the app with a special camera that then uploads the video to our servers and we stream it. And that accomplishes two things. One is you don't have access to the file, so you can't change it. And two, nobody else has access to the file because it's streamed from the original. And that's literally, it's the simplest solution out there, but it actually works to prevent what we see now, which is loose video and loose photos, which are shared via social media, on the web, people download them, they slice and dice and merge and mix them up into anything they want to show. And then when you take that fodder and combine it with new tools for generative AI like Dolly 2 and Midjourney, now you can create videos and photos that show anything just by describing them. And so with all of that potential fakery floating around the web, there needs to be at least one way to send a video that proves what it shows is real. And there's lots of applications for that when we can, when we get into it. But that's all it is, is think about it as it's like your regular camera, but instead of it being stored on your phone, it squirts right up to our server and streams from that link. And I, I want to take a take a step back and and just you know, talk about all of the the data that's being created and from lots of different sources. And you've heard of the term IoT, Internet of Things, right? Um, you know, data data coming in from all different types of endpoints, whether it's a smart smartphone, a smart uh, camera, smart thermostat, refrigerator, whatever the case may be. Uh, anything that has an IP address uh, definitely is you know pulling data. Um, can you give me a correlation, I guess, before this entire digital transformation age that we're in? 
Was this also a problem before cell phones really became a thing, or is this something that just really became a problem, you know, once cell phones actually hit the scene or mobile phones? That's a great question. And, you know, all sorts of information fraud and wire fraud and what have you, as they call it, existed. So, you know, before we had the internet and mobile phones, you know, there was fraud, simply wire fraud was simply making a phone call, I believe, or, or any sort of, of attempt to uh, scam somebody via being dishonest via phone or telegraph or whatever. And, and so all that's happened is, um, so those problems have already existed. It's simply the speed at which um, we're inundated with the fake stuff is very different from when it was a crank phone call or a crank uh, letter, perhaps offering something. Now it's just everything can spread so quickly. So I think that's the, the one part of it is certainly that the opportunities and the ease with which fraud and fake information can be created and spread has increased dramatically. But but also the the different media that can be affected. So it's not just like data you know, between your refrigerator talking to your phone, but it's also video and audio and, and photos. All of that is all ultimately boils down to ones and zeros. And uh, in the past, you could, our eyes could detect when stuff was tampered with, but the technologies have gotten so good that we can't tell anymore. And that's, that's kind of so that's kind of the third dimension is the AI, the fact that now we have computer generated videos, stories like GPT-3 can you just say, write an article about, uh, you know, and, and give it some keywords and it'll write it. So with all of this generative AI on top of people committing fraud, on top of, um, you know, the ease with which people can change information now because it's all digital it's not printed all of that i think is combined to to create a perfect storm for misinformation and uh, my concern particularly begins now with this ai kicking in because it's you think it's good now in five years you'll be able to do anything for those that aren't familiar with it if you just google dolly to think of like the movie wall-e um, so D-A-L-L space E or dot E, and then two, go for dot E two. And you'll see examples of what you can generate there, um, as well as um, other platforms like Diffusion AI and, and MidJourney. And you'll see how it's, an, it's going to be impossible to tell what's real anymore if just by looking at it. And it used to be that seeing is believing. And our brains are going to have trouble when seeing is no longer believing because subconsciously seeing will always still be believing. And we have to sort of become active in sort of saying, is this real or not, before we process it and into it. And, and so there's a lot. It's just going to require a lot more diligence, I think, for people to know that they're not being screwed around with. And yeah, so you mentioned GPT-3. I, I want to come back to that. Um, it, it's something that I, I just ran across as well. I um, ran across Jasper AI. I'm, I'm not sure if, you, if you've if you heard of that one before. 
And then I think they yeah, Jasper is built on GPT three, right. yeah, and they're charging a lot. Uh-huh. You can get a uh, a test account uh, at uh, OpenAI, yeah, and if within the sandbox, you can generate stuff where you don't have to pay the markup of Jasper. Uh-oh. They probably hate me. Well, for ma- saying maybe that, maybe but... we'll we'll talk <laughs> offline on 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 that one. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, I heard a GPT, is it for whatever the next generation is? Oh, the next one. Yeah, because there's another yeah. company that's out there that's saying, okay, Jasper, yeah, it's good. However, this is better. So I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what that is. But we'll, we'll come back to AI. But one, one thing I want to ask you for, for the listeners is, like, what is like your number one piece of advice for anyone out there to never be a victim again of of online fraud? What What are your recommendations to keep yourself safe? I think you know I, the reason I'm pausing is because there's kind of there's a life philosophy that I think is very different from you know there's there's the Generally, happy people assume positive intent from people in social situations, so physical social situations. But if you assume positive intent when you're not really, when you're receiving stuff from strangers or reading stuff online, that that is how you can get hoodwinked, so to speak. So I think it, the classic caveat emptor, B, B, question everything unfortunately is kind of the way you have to look at internet content yeah right um if you see it it doesn't mean it's true and i'd say the biggest advice is to just follow it back to its source to the extent you can so you know the moment someone reports tells you a story about something else it's already hearsay so, so you say you say follow it back to the source. Does that mean googling and doing some searching and trying to figure out? Yes. Yeah, you can. For example, you can take an image and you can do an image search to see if you can find. It'll come up with closely matching images. You might find up. You might find. Oh, this is this looks just like this, except this person was added and this person's missing in this original one I found online. So, you know, but it would still probably match. So you could see if there's matches even of the actual um, photo and then you'll just look for where it came from, whether there's any source of it where it's on a site where it's actually attributed to something. Just in general, don't believe anything that your readers see, unfortunately, on the Internet. It's basically, um, it's not even trust but verify. It's like verify and then, and then you can trust it. Um, because I think a lot of us, naturally, we don't have time to check everything. And so we pick our sources and we hope they're right. But if you just sort of blindly search, you know, search for something on Google, and then read the first result and take it as fact, you might be in for a rude awakening because it could very well be somebody's trying to change your mind about something and they bought those keywords so that they come up first in the search and maybe what they're telling you about that topic is not true. Who knows? Everybody seems to have 
a different agenda. So yeah, it's 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 um it's just a different world. The internet is is I read I heard something yesterday like Twitter humanity like if you want to understand humanity just look at Twitter and and what what they meant by that is that you know certain platforms bring out the worst in people and I think Twitter sort of there's that's what that's for and so that's the other thing is to think about where's the where are you getting the information from if it's on Twitter you know there's lots of bots there there's lots of misinformation as much as they try um and if you know different sites you just learn what you can trust and what you can't but yeah um, and have you heard of mastodon the one that's replacing twitter I, i've i've talked to a few guests yeah yes i have it, it it's a little different yeah so so Mastod mastodon the only thing i really know about it is that a few of my guests said that yeah i'm no longer on twitter i've moved over to mastodon and it's a different platform where where you have to log into like a community or or server it's it's a little different from from the way twitter is so you just don't ah, like discord yeah I, I guess it's almost like a like a decentralized type of platform where you you can join a, a certain community in in the server you know, a room or something that that's kind of close to what you're looking for. But it, it looked like it required a little too much effort for me. So I just left it alone because um, <laughs> I have enough going on in my life. Yeah. And, and didn't want to take the time. Yeah. To to try to figure it out. But um, I, I want to ask an, another question. So artificial intelligence and, and also um, I, I've heard AR and VR, like what's the difference between the two and yeah which which one you think is ai can run through all sorts of things and so that's ai artificial intelligence it can be used a lot of it is algorithmic meaning that it's not actually really ai but most of what ai is today is machine learning trained um uh, neural nets so it's basically it's 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 pro it's it's machine learning trained, which is just reinforcement training uh, with lots and lots and lots of data. And that allows it to then when it sees the next bit of data say, oh, this is like that data I saw before. And last time the best reaction to that data is so-and-so. So that's all AI is doing is it's sort of the most average. If you think about AI, it's the most average response. In other words, it's not going to be extreme because it's it's the melting pot of everything that it's found on the internet is what is being used to train it. So by nature, it can't really innovate. Um, so that's sort of AI in a nutshell and where it's at. And then you have these new technologies, which are visual, which is augmented reality, virtual reality, and then the hybrid mixed reality. So um, both require special classes. So virtual reality imagine the classic headset where you can't see through it and that and that headset covers your eyes and puts you into a 3d immersive experience um but so you can't see the real world you're actually wearing these things that you're blinded by and you're seeing that and then as you move that's motion detectors and gyroscopes and what have you accelerometers so that 
the environment that's being projected within the VR headset adjusts to your movement, so it feels like you're in that environment. Whereas, in fact, you could be walking into a table or any because you can't see mm -hmm. anything. So that's, that's one of the biggest problems with VR, okay. um, which is why I tend to think VR is really going to be used for gaming, uh, yeah, certain right, training right, right. types of experience, educational experience. But I don't know that we're going to work on a VR headset like Mark Zuckerberg at, at Meta believes that we're going to work and play in VR because, first of all, they make they make about a third of people who use the headsets they get um, motion sickness from them, like uh, reading in a car nausea. So that's VR, and then AR is imagine glasses that you can see through, um, but that project holographically items into your field of view, so it looks like they're in the physical environment that you're seeing, but they're actually digitally generated. So. Uh, if you put on, like Apple's new AR headsets are, are coming out next year, probably. And what will happen is you'll put them on and you'll prep and it'll, they'll have eye tracking and you'll be able to use the, your eyes to select items in the menu. And the menu will be sort of projected as though it's hovering in front of you. And um, you'll be able to navigate mostly with your eyes and, and motion of your head and perhaps some other interfaces and that's really I find that more useful because it can overlay additional information so let's say you're looking at a you're at a park and what would normally in the old days have been you know a plaque on a monument describing the history of something that happened there well now that could be a little augmented reality uh, pop-up plaque or it could even be a, a movie augmented reality movie that sort of appears to take place at, in that real environment to tell the history of the location. So I think there's a lot more useful applications. And because if they get these AR glasses down to the size of, of regular sunglasses, which is where they're headed, and they become stylish, then you're, they will probably become the new, potentially the new accessory that... Uh, has a chance of competing with your smartphone. Like maybe your smartphone will, it'll be sort of a combination of these glasses and something that you can still tap on and type on. And you know what, that's, that's really interesting because I, I always use the analogy of the movie Ready Player One. Yes. I, I think it's such a phenomenal move. And I think they, that movie was in 2035, but we we still may be a bit ways off from We're getting closer. <laughs> that technology. Yeah, we, we are getting closer. Um, you know, there's yeah. certain things that aren't going to happen that movies, you know, that are much harder, that movies cover that harder to do than the movies certainly make them look. Um, but it's everything's going to get better and better. And I think that... It, you know, it's going to reach a point where it's very difficult for us to tell the difference between something that is digitally generated or or actual reality. The the question I wanted to ask, though, was was about like you, you made a statement about and maybe you didn't make it here, but I, I saw where you where you mentioned it, like the smartphone. is going to end television as we know it. Why do you why do you make that statement? Is it because there's so many streaming apps 
out now and everybody's watching Hulu and and uh, Apple TV and Netflix and, and on all of the above. And it's just going to like be way too much to kind of sit down in front of a physical TV. That's uh, actually that's that's part of it. But it's still going to look the same on our end. Right. I mean, when you're watching your TV and you have, let's say you have an Apple TV or a Roku or something like that, you're just switch. You're you realize that the only difference between broadcast TV is the fact that it's got a schedule and that everything else is on your own schedule. And clearly, you know, TiVo was the original solution to that where it would record the live broadcast and you could watch them later. Um, now we're in the streaming world. But what I really was talking about with that sentence is, yes, everything you said is correct and, and the digitization and, and the, all the additional screens that we'll be able to watch our entertainment on. That's what the smartphone is providing. But on the camera side, on the intake side, uh, an iPhone 14 um, is practically able to, is pretty close to able to produce what a, a TSC, NTSC standard television camera can produce in terms of all the image stabilization, all the, the high-powered zoom, the high-resolution HD. And so to me, what's definitely going away and this is a real challenge for news organizations, is are those little panel trucks with the squiggly antennas that they, you know, they roll with a camera crew every time there's news. Uh, we've all seen it, press conferences, uh, uh, you know, breaking news. All, they roll these trucks and then, you know, they get the trucks and the cameras out and they get the footage to the internet about four hours after it's already broken because people filmed it on their smartphones and, and tweeted it or, you know, uploaded it to Facebook. So, so the, the, you know, I think the challenge really what's going away is the television camera, in my opinion, and, and in particular for news reporting. Uh, it just, it, I, I think that, there's no way that local news can compete with the internet, with people with smartphones just tweeting something that just happened. There's no way that they, if they've got to roll a truck and a film crew, and then they've got to bring it back to the studio and do post-production and then put it up on air, there's no way that that's going to beat smartphones. And it's already over. I've been talking to the Getty and the Associated Press, and they recognize that um, local news is under major threat. They've got to come up with a way to uh, report it faster and incorporate more video because otherwise the social platforms are where people get their news and anybody can break that news. And so that's, so, so that's the second sort of fundamental change to television is that everybody's a reporter now because everybody's got a TV camera in their pocket. You you see you see the rise of YouTube. I I watch a lot of YouTube, and you know people go go live and they're live streaming uh, things that are happening. You know in their area, like they're out pumping gas or something, and they happen to whip their cell phone out and capture something live. You know definitely news crews can't be everywhere all the time. Um, so I, I I completely see that, and. We're going to begin to wrap up now, Peter. And, you know, one, one question I'm curious, the final question for you is what's on your nightstand? What, what are you reading? 
these ah, days? It's a great question. So I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously, so I'm a big fan. And so at night, the podcasts I put on are, are one, for example, is called Lore, which is just um, scary bedtime stories, uh, more or less. And I just put that on and, and fall asleep to it. Uh, you know, I, I do have, which I will show you for its uh, historical value, an actual physical book uh, okay, that I recently okay. bought called The Singularities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a novel by a guy named John okay. Manville, um, and it won the Booker Prize. It's uh, I, I'm sure your audience doesn't really care, but it is uh, a recent book that um, that I physically bought there's still a bookstore in my neighborhood that's still surviving and so i like to patronize it yeah and, and something about touching the paper and hearing the pages turn and being able to highlight and underline it's, it's something that stimulates me so I, I i continue to buy physical books as well yeah and it, it and it feels less it, it, it separates you from your phone because if you're reading on your phone you still get texts and interruptions so it's kind of a little way to escape i I agree i agree so i I appreciate you sharing some some information and and details uh, just about the importance of you know double checking and making sure you know that some of the news and some of the the video that you're looking at is is actually from a uh, verified source and being a little more careful about those things and so I think the listeners will will take a few things away from that and, you know, some information about AR and VR and AI and ML as well. So I, I appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, and dropping some nuggets of, of information around that, Peter. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And if people want to see the app, it's at, in the app store only at this point for iOS. We're not on Android yet, but you can certify it all one word in the app store or we're also at certifyit.org because we are um, a mission-driven public benefit company so we're actually doing this it, it is for profit but with a mission to okay. help fight fake information so is there a free version and then there's like a, a paid for add-on currently there's a free version and will remain free for people who are signing up now there is um, an advanced version that has all sorts of maps and that uh, we may uh, allow people to upgrade to for a price, but we're, I'm thinking of just giving out a, a little cheat code, <laughs> which is if you uh, have the app and, and you go into your profile and tap your name five times, it'll change the app into the this super complicated one with all these maps and stuff if you want to play with that but otherwise the basic app certify it is, is super simple yeah I'll, I'll have to go download it and 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 play around with it to see see what it's like myself yeah it just literally record and then it creates the link and you share the link that's it mm. all right well thanks my friend it's it's definitely been a pleasure having you on the show thanks for having me demetrius have a great day Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.